LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing. The One Thing is a podcast designed to give you one gospel-centered ministry tip every week. And we've been releasing a number of the key workshops from the digital ministry forum that was held recently by the Reach Australia digital team. Uh, This episode today is really all about a theology of digital ministry. One of the things that COVID brought was a whole bunch of disruption uh, and a whole bunch of, you know, is this church? Uh, What does church look like? Uh, How do we do ministry online? Well, this episode engages your brains in thinking through what digital ministry might look like in your church. We've got Dave Moore, uh, who's the executive pastor at Hunter Bible Church, just north of uh, Sydney, and Andrew Mitchell as well, who's the executive pastor at EV Church on the Central Coast. They're both going to talk about uh, their theology of digital ministry, what it looked like in their church contexts. Can I encourage you to to take a listen to this episode, uh, ponder it, reflect on it, and share it with your team. Uh, create a discussion about what it might look like you for you to continue to live stream. What, is, what does it look like for you to continue to have a digital presence? Uh, lots of really helpful questions and helpful thinking. Let's take a listen. G'day everyone. Here at Hunter Bible Church, uh, we've kind of made some decisions about where we're going to sit in the digital ministry space. And so what I'm going to try and do is walk through where we've ended up first, what, what kind of direction we've taken, and then I'm going to take you through why, kind of the, the, the how we got to deciding that. So first of all, here at Hunter Bible Church, we've decided two key things. The first one is we want to facilitate our church family gathering together online if that's the best thing for them to do. That's first. And the second one is We've decided that we're not going to pursue a broad digital global ministry. That is, we're not going to try and use digital uh, technology to reach people outside of our region globally, uh, apart from website and digital marketing things. So let me just explain a little bit more what these two things mean. So first of all, we've decided that we are going to stream our Sunday church services. Uh, we're going to, we've tried doing that in heaps of ways. We've had special online hosts that talk to people who are watching online and we've had special hybrid things where we've done a, a live host and then we've, pro- then we've cut to a pre-recorded sermon. Or we've done the other way around where we've had pre-recorded hosts and songs and then we've cut to a live, live view of this is what's happening on the sermon on stage at the moment. But it, all the different things we've tried, we've always wanted to love our church family who's together with us online, and we've wanted to try and do that as in, creative, in the most creative and engaging way we can. But in the end, we've actually just come back to pointing a camera at the stage and streaming that live to YouTube. The only caveat to that is it's unlisted. That is, our Sunday live stream is only for our church family. It's not designed for the new person. It's not available to the new person. It's not for the outsider. It's only for the flock who can't be there in person for whatever reason, so that they can, so our church family can be there with us. And I'll explain why in a moment. Second, we've decided that we're not going to pursue a broad digital ministry outside of our region. That means that we're, we're not trying to leverage technology to reach people 
globally. We, we, we don't believe there's anything wrong with that. We could do that. We, we considered it. We thought we could invest time and energy and money and staff into pursuing an online gospel ministry community, like trying to set up real community, people who are touched by the gospel and who deeply serve one another online. And we could try to set up local local gatherings of online members we just we think we're better suited to focusing our gospel work in our region having said that we do run our life evangelistic series we have an online version of that we are looking at starting some growth groups that are attended online only where the group meets online only because of various life circumstances that is we're open to using digital platforms and tools as much as genuinely helpful to love the people in our region and help them grow in christ okay so that's where we've ended up there the two kind of the directions we've gone in let me explain how we got there theologically so kind of two ideas the first idea is that the church is more magnificent than the ecclesia so when when we want to think about what church is it's kind of common practice to focus in on the word ecclesia and while there's lots of important work to do there it's worth stepping back and seeing that a word study on ecclesia is only one facet of what we're talking about as the church because as we look at the new testament we're introduced to other ideas about the church so passages like acts 20 verse 28 where the church is a flock it's sheep it's it's the people who the ephesian elders are meant to be shepherds over the church isn't a it isn't an event that they keep watch over and keep time over it's people it's the people that the holy spirit has made them overseers of in 1 corinthians 12 27 and 28 the church is the body of people that the Corinthians are part of. It's, it's, it's the people who serve each other in Corinth for Jesus' sake. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, the church is the household of God. It's the family. It's the people who have been graciously called into God's own family. And so as we consider how to do church online or how to do ministry digitally, it's bigger than just the ecclesia. We have to consider how we do the body. How do we express being the body digitally? How do we express being a family digitally? How do we shepherd the flock online? That is, that's the first point. We're not simply doing the ecclesia. The, the church is a much more magnificent gemstone than what we see in a word study on ecclesia. Which kind of brings us to the second point. Even the word ecclesia refers to something more magnificent than a meeting. I don't know if this is everyone's experience, but I was dutifully informed as a young Christian that the word ecclesia means a gathering. It means an event. And that every time I see the word church in the New Testament, I'm meant to read that simply as meaning a get-together, a gathering. And so some Christians have thought that since watching something online is not physically gathering with other people, that means it's not really church because church literally means getting together, to gathering. It's just that it doesn't only mean that. In fact, that's an example of something called the illegitimate totality transfer fallacy. That is the idea that one word only means one thing in every instance that you see it. And certainly the Greeks did seem to use the word ecclesia to mean a meeting of city members. A town assembly is what the, the word ecclesia seems to mean outside the New Testament. It wasn't just any meeting. It wasn't just any get together. It was a certain meeting of certain people had, had political intent and, and 
people had to, had a right to be in in the meeting. And yet it seems clear that the early church used this word ecclesia to mean something very different to a town town meeting of certain people. So when we look at passages like Acts 9:31, ecclesia does not mean a physical gathering. So it says the church singular throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria, the singular church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it, the ecclesia, increased in numbers. So Luke is definitely not referring to a town assembly in this verse, and he's not referring to the Sunday or the, the weekly or the, the, the gatherings that happen, the events. Luke's referring to people, to Christians. He's referring to all the people in these regions, the people who belong to God. And he uses the word ecclesia. And I think many other instances of ecclesia are the same. In fact, I think the New Testament usually uses ecclesia not to emphasize the event of gathering, but on the people who gather. That is, in the New Testament, the ecclesia is primarily, primarily something you don't put in your, in your calendar. It's not primarily something you attend. It's first and foremost a people whom Jesus has called you to belong to. It's the people that Jesus called to be his brothers and sisters by his grace. That is, we're all part of Jesus' family. We're all part of Jesus' flock. We're part of Jesus' body. We're part of Jesus' ecclesia, his gathering. And so we're all meant to be part of a local family, a local flock, a local body, a local gathering with elders and teaching and discipline. And so you could say that a local church is a people who have committed to walk with one another to walk with one another in the gospel for Jesus' sake and under his appointed, under the leaders he's appointed within that local church. Being with one another. And being with one another, well, that just leads to being physically with one another. That's the ideal, isn't it? To, when we want to be with one another, we want to be physically face-to-face -face with one another. But it's not only physical. Being with one another is not, doesn't only need to be physical. Indeed, Jesus is with us. That's his great promise. He is with us right now by the Spirit, not physically. And he truly is with us. And through Jesus' Spirit, we are with one another in the heavenly realms. And at the same time, we can express being with one another in lots of ways. We can be in a small group with one another. We can be in an auditorium with thousands of other people with one another. We can be on the phone with someone. You can talk with someone on the phone. You can be over Zoom or some other thing. You're with people together. These are all expressions of being with one another. Again, the best expression of being with one another is being physically face-to-face. -face. That's the ideal. But if that's not achievable, then... We want to achieve that as much as we can. So this is where the theological basis we're kind of starting from. And I hope that, sees, hope that makes sense why we've kind of landed where we have. We believe that our church is a group of people who have committed to walking with each other in the gospel. They're family. That's what our church is. And if your family can't be there for a special event, if you're running Christmas and part of your family can't come along to your gathering, then you make reasonable efforts to include them. You call them up or you Zoom them in and you say, hey, be part of our special family celebration. Or if you're running, so in the same way, if your family is getting together for church, then you create ways for them to join in if they can't do it any other way. You help them to be with you. 
And so that's why we, we stream our Sunday service to our church family because we want them to be with us as much as they're able to. It also explains why we're kind of hesitant to go big and try to reach people beyond our region um, because we want them to eventually have the best expression of gathering possible. And so as if we did do that thing, if we did put lots of energy and effort and money and staff into reaching people globally, then our prayer for them would, would be that they would be able to meet with others, that they'll be able to gather ideally with others, that other smaller groups of gatherings, or they would be able to join local churches. That's the type of thing we'd want for them. That would be our goal for them. And so this is kind of why we've made the decisions we have to stream our Sunday services, our Sunday church to our church members so that they can be part of it. And also why we've gone, oh, look, we're probably not going to do the big global thing at the moment. We're just going to focus in on, on our region, though we're not opposed to doing that as well. So that's kind of where we've ended up and why we're there. And I hope that's helpful. Okay, great to be here. The executive pastors are getting a Guernsey today, it seems, which is uh, very good. Um, well... Gospel ministry and technology have worked uh, powerfully together in the past, uh, especially communications technology. Think of the place of the Gutenberg Press in the Reformation. A renewed theological conviction that God rules his people by his word led to a massive demand uh, for the written word and a massive growth in literacy as well. And we know that the Bible, as a consequence, became the most printed book in human history. Now, with that revolution came benefits and risks, too. Having the Bible in every home no doubt led to the temptation to think, well, we've got it in the home. Do we need to read it in the fellowship of the church? Uh, you know, that's less important, and that's still a risk today. Uh, but we're now living through another revolution in communications technology, which has even greater implications for humanity than the printing press. It's opened up a world of opportunities and a world of risks too. And there's a whole lot of biblical thinking and discussion needed to help us work out how to take greater, greatest advantage of it and avoid the risks. And so as a bit of an introduction, here are some brief biblical reflections on three areas, mission, church, and discipleship. Firstly, mission. Uh, Jesus gave us the Great Commission saying, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And it is an amazing reality, isn't it? that we can communicate with people in all nations all over the world via the internet. And we can also connect with people in our own community that we otherwise would never meet physically. There is an online mission field and there's a massive opportunity. And it's also true that the internet's a place where people can go to have questions answered. Uh, an inquirer can be anonymous and, in, and an inquiry can be made without obligation. There's a ministry called the Arab World Media that reaches into the Muslim world via the internet. And they've found a way to connect and evangelize and disciple people in that Muslim majority region. Uh, talking to one of its leaders who helped establish this ministry, he talked of you know, the amount of experimentation they had to do, the perseverance uh, for 
for actually years in order to break through and work out how they could best do this. And they're now seeing much fruit. At EV, uh, we've found engaging in the online mission field isn't simple at all. And there haven't been quick wins. Uh, we did have some success over COVID and there's been some success with our online course being downloaded and as Jez mentioned, shared uh, for gospel discussion. But uh, we advertised the course digitally uh, with a view to running it you know, a month or so ago and got no takers. All that's to say that there's much to learn about this mission field and how to connect. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 comes to mind. I've become all things to all people, says Paul, so that by all possible means I might save some. And what is clear is that finding connections online, sharing the gospel is going to be personally costly and will require us to adapt and give much experimentation to find effective approaches. And in considering all this, as Dave said, you know, what's the weight of resource we're going to give to this uh, as opposed to personal evangelism? And the picture you get in the New Testament, you know, when Paul came to Thess Thessalonica, he describes it this way, I loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And you get this picture of this intimate physical connection and life sharing activity. So we've got the online mission engagement, huge opportunity, but how do we work out where we put our resources? Uh, there's always gonna be the physical engagement uh, and that time with its time-honored strengths and results. So there you go, quick uh, reflection on mission, now church. COVID got many of us streaming our gatherings, watching from home uh, on our devices, and EV is still streaming. Uh, we have 200 views each week, along with 100 views of this separate offline stream, same content, but with signing. Uh, people watching live and at later times. Uh, we've got people joining in who you know, temporarily sick or the long-term ill, frail, those with disability, those traveling, people checking us out before coming, those without access to good Bible teaching. And it is this very special resource now for the deaf, deaf community. It's proving to be a very valuable part of our ministry. And it's enabling people in challenging circumstances to connect with church life and sit under the word of God. Uh, it's certainly part of our caring for the weak and sick in our community. But it can't be the whole story. You know, when Jesus described the care of uh, his people, you know, the parable of the sheep and the goats, he said, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. You know, these very physical care activities. And the stream, you know, it is a great ad addition to our care ministry, but it's only a piece. It's not the substitute for the physical care, the visit, the help, the meal. And watching church online is not a substitute for gathering physically. When we're not able to meet in person, the online stream is invaluable. But the New Testament shows us a physical gathering of God's people at the heart of Christian life. Greek word for church in the New Testament is ecclesia, it simply means assembly or gathering. 
And when Jesus says he will build his church, he's talking about a gathering of the resurrected people of God around his throne from every nation, tribe, people, and language. It's the picture of Revelation 7. And in Ephesians, we see that this gathering is already a spiritual reality, and we are part of it spiritually. And so in, in, in anticipation of the future gathering, in regard to the present spiritual reality, Christians gather locally around Christ in his word. And that gathering is central to our identity. You know, the letters are addressed to the churches, to the gatherings in Corinth and Ephesus, etc. Of course, there's life beyond that, but the gathering is central. And God's promise to be especially present in our gatherings. Uh, Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with them. Paul says in Corinth uh, to the Corinthians, chapter 3, 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? The gathering of God's people as church is a central place in his plans and purposes. And we need to be careful not to dilute that ideal by thinking that an online meeting or watching a stream is equivalent to gathering in person. I think the reality is that those meeting online are actually separated physically they're enjoying a very good communication technology, but it doesn't substitute for all the dynamics of a physical gathering, which is the biblical ideal. The online meeting is not church, and I don't think it's helpful to use the descriptor, descriptor online church. During COVID, families who were separated took advantage of Zoom, but it didn't substitute for holding the hand of their dying parent. Uh, you couldn't imagine family life, you know, mum, dad and the three kids working if they're in separate locations and you try and run the family on Zoom. Uh, it's kind of a, a ridiculous idea. Well, it is same with the church family. So there's mission, church. Now, a couple of thoughts quickly on discipleship. There are many ways to disciple and grow Christians online. There are help for the prayer life. I mean, I love our WhatsApp for our small group. I've got the Prayer Mate app. It helps me organise my prayer life. There are prayer emails for church and mission. Um, you can have your love of God fueled by playlists on Spotify. We can equip the saints for ministry through daily reading notes, online Bibles, online Bible resources, leadership training videos, so much more. But there are risks too. We're called to live Christ-like lives, and this requires self-control in the online spaces we inhabit. God exhorts the Ephesians. He says, I tell you this, and, it, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And these days, the internet and social media are just a great place for impurity and greed. The anonymity of the internet can be helpful for people checking out Christianity, but it's also a context that promotes evil behavior. And at EV, we're embarking on a program to reduce the impact of pornography on our church family. Statistically, it's a reality that very high numbers of our men and some of our women will be habitually accessing it online. 
And we also know that the platforms we use like Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, bring us into worlds that are designed to mold and shape us according to their ideals and their business model. Uh, Jonathan Armstrong in Virtual Reality Church says, look, when a team of Christians church in a new city or a new country, it's important for them to analyze the local culture to get a clear sense of how social expectations may conflict or align with their ministry model. Um, when conducting ministry on a digital platform, it's important to analyze first this plat how this platform defines success and sets up expectations for use user access. The way these platforms define success is invariably tied to the business model for the company that's supporting the platform. Anyway, all of this means we need to apply all the ex exhortations for godly giving, bring all the wisdom God can give us into the online space. What Paul says in Ephesians 5.15 is so applicable. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in the information age. We need to use the tools of this age to win and grow disciples. They can be applied in every part of church life fruitfully. But let's move forward carefully, thoughtfully, thinking biblically and wisely as to how to best guard the gospel and guard our hearts in this new world. Well, hopefully that's uh, helped you and your team keep thinking through what digital ministry might look like. Uh, hopefully it started a conversation where you can start wrestling with what the Bible has to say about that uh, as well. And hopefully that's enabled you to start thinking uh, and talking theologically about that with your church as well. Uh, can I encourage you, uh, if you're wanting to find out more uh, about ministry in the digital space, if you're wanting to think about how your church can better uh, better use social media and other forms of uh, digital media to reach people, check out Reach Australia Digital. Gus McCowart and the team are ready to help you think into your website, help you think into your digital media space so you can better reach people with the gospel. So check out Reach Australia Digital. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.